Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. When you partner with Axon, you immediately gain access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. We carry all major brands and sizes of tires and wheels. We specialize in large diameter wheels for large equipment. We have one of the largest OEM replacement wheel inventories in North America. Known for extreme flotation setups, duals, and triples, we have wheels for all makes and models of tractors, sprayers, combines, and grain carts. If we don't have the wheel in stock, we'll custom build, sandblast, and paint in-house. There isn't a more vast inventory in North America dedicated to helping dealers move more iron. With facilities on the West Coast and in the heart of the Midwest, leverage our 230,000 square feet of indoor inventory to solve any problem a grower may have. Move more iron with Axon. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800 657 4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving higher time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving higher. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. I got uh, the guys back here from Valley Transportation. I've got Parker Johnson and Carson Owelling. Am I saying it right? Yeah, you got it. Nailed it. First try. Look at that. Broadcast professional. All right. Got you guys back on here to talk about what's going on in the world of trucking. Carson, let's talk with, start with you first. Lay out a little bit as, as to what you're doing over at Valley and, and kind of what some of your background is. Yeah. Um, I'm safety director here at Valley. I've been doing that gig for the last uh, eight or nine years. So, I mean, and more or less, I deal with accidents, cargo claims, DOT compliance, all the fun stuff keeping up on regulation and keeping track of our inventory. <clears throat> but best way to describe it to our viewers um, is, you know, if we haul a tractor for you guys, John Deere case, whatever it is, and in transit, a window were to break out or, you know, something happens to that piece of equipment in transit, I would deal with that farmer, that grower or dealer, whoever's buying that tractor, the end user, and help them get that tractor fixed up, get the window replaced, get it back in the field working. And, you know, we, we don't necessarily use insurance for, for 99% of our cargo claims. We deal with them all right here in-house just because of our, our knowledge and experience with equipment. So we try and make it as painless as possible in the end customer. 
Yeah. And yeah, we'll give you guys that much. You do you do a great job of handling the customers and taking care of all the stuff that's popped up. I've had some issues and it's been the easiest thing I've ever had to deal with. So it's awesome working with you guys when something like that pops up. So Parker, what's up, buddy? How you been? Yeah, good. It's been a while since I've seen you down in Nashville. You recovered? Slowly. I about, I about got back on my feet here this week, so um, it only took me a couple of months. You know what I mean? It's been a- you guys put it on once again. I appreciate it. No, I love having you guys there. You guys are a lot of fun, and you bring that uh, that, that uh, the transportation side in there and it gives a lot of people an opportunity to see what you guys are doing and, and uh, going from there. But you guys have a lot of customers that show up to that deal and because and, uh, you call for a lot of people all over the place. And, and it's one of those things where it's hard to find – uh, we were kind of talking about this before we got started. It's hard to find, you know, you know, transportation companies that that haul heavy freight in general, and much less start talking about moving combines and four wheel drives and stuff like that. When you guys are um, have done a really good job of, of kind of of niching yourselves in some into that in that heavy haul situation. We were talking about this when we got started. That you know, hey, you were times are starting to slow down. You start seeing people show up that are doing some, you know, hey, I'll haul this for you, or hey, I'll do that for you. You know, what's the what's the couple things you should know, I guess, before someone starts hauling for you that comes out of the woodwork like that? Yeah, make sure you've got a copy of their insurance and that it's valid and stuff like that. And, you know, Carson looks at uh, looks at all that stuff as well. So it's, uh, it's one huge thing. You know, we have our broker's department that help us out move some stuff, and we do uh, we do a background check on everybody to make sure their, their insurance is up to date, you know, one, and has enough uh, – enough coverage to cover that piece of equipment if for some reason yeah. get total. Yeah. Well, that's the other side of it too, is they might have insurance. You have insurance. Sure. They don't tell you how much it yeah. goes. Something goes and falls off the side. Next thing you got a five or $600,000 piece. that has got $250,000 worth of insurance coming its way. That's a, that's a big problem. Yeah. In the past, the past couple of months, you know, it's slowed down a little bit, kind of like it does all every year during harvest season. And, and mm-hmm. uh, people are, people are hungry. You know, there's people out there bidding freight that, you know, I mean, there's no way we could compete with their prices, but you don't know what you're going to get or if, if it'll ever even get picked up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that's the uh, other side of that too, is I love when someone calls in and they ask, Hey, we want to haul your stuff. Great. Awesome. Um, you know, what's a combine look like? And they'll, yeah. they'll have no, idea. like, you know, I've, one person didn't even know what, what could you explain what that is? And I'm like, okay, we're good. We're good. We don't, we don't need, I mean, it's hard enough to find someone just to haul what you guys do and, and how you guys do it. It's hard enough to find someone to do that, and especially with the way the price of these machines have gotten so far. Yeah. It's not just driving on there, chain it down, and hope for the best. You know, it's a lot more to that. Yeah, it's a, it's a fair amount of, of stuff on the back of that trailer for sure. No, it's kind of funny that uh, back in the day, late 80s, early 90s, you get all two John 7 20s and step deck trailer and then go into load a you know a John Deere X9 or a case ninety two fifty. I mean your big class clients, I mean you can't even haul them all together almost because they're too heavy. Yeah. You almost kind of got to ask yourself when's it gonna tap out but I can see it happening. <laughs> no, it seems like they keep they keep coming up with this idea that they're going to uh make things bigger so they can offset the amount of machines that are out there, you know, and, and what that looks like. So it's uh Definitely going to be an interesting move as we start watching things become autonomous. What does that look like, and where do we start seeing those things come together? So, yeah, be, it's going to be cool 
to uh, to watch that progression. What are some of the stuff you guys are seeing out there on the on the trucking front right now? So I mean, I know there's a million people out there that are talking about autonomous this and autonomous that, and everything's going to drive itself for too long. But on the trucking front, what do you guys see out there on that on that whole autonomous thing? Last 35 moves to kind of establish a late model fleet with no trucks. Mm-hmm. So we're doing a lot with uh, carb compliance and emissions out there yeah. the post, getting into ports and things like that. Um, fortunately, our trucks are all late models, so they can do all that stuff. We still got to register them and whatnot. But uh, there's a lot of carriers out there with you know owner operators running glider kits, and uh, I think they're going to have a, a rude awakening in the next two, three four or five years out on the West coast, um, getting stuff in and out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, California's tough. I mean, it's yeah. really, tough. yeah, it's, it's, uh, I've, I've shipped stuff to California before and, you know, you gotta get to the, when you get to the border, you gotta go through the whole, you know, inspection of the, um, make sure it doesn't have any, you know, crazy dirt or anything like that. In it. <laughs> yeah, and all that different yeah, stuff. It's the, uh, you know, there's a, that invisible wall that you drive through when you go to California, it's uh, something else. But they have that, that part of California, especially it's going to continue to get even more stringent. We're even looking at, um, you know, cattle and, and hogs and those kind of things based around some of the, some of the laws are trying to pass when you look at, you know, confinements and those kind of things. So that's a whole nother thing about on the, on what can come in and what can come out of there uh, as well. So it's a, it's a crazy place when you start looking at the regulations associated with it. When you, uh, so I guess as you guys are looking at that, as you're looking at taking stuff in and out of California, those kind of things, like how is that affecting your freight costs and how is that affecting, you know, how you deal with some customers in, in Iowa, for example, or something like that, that may be hauling something cross country like that? I mean, it doesn't really. I mean, you just, right now, you bid at everything you possibly can just to get it. And, you know, we don't mind going to California because we do have some customers out of California too. So we always got stuff coming back out. But, yeah. But, but the way the prices are coming back out of California, you know, it, it doesn't pay a lot, but mm-hmm. you know, there's nowhere else to go. Right. So you just, you just take what you can get and get home. It's mm-hmm. not so bad when you know what you're getting into, right? You right. know what you're getting into when you're going out there. You know what kind of equipment you have to be running and what it's going to take to get out of there. So when you're prepared, I mean, it's just like anything in life. It, it's a lot easier, but yeah. being ill-prepared out there is a bad deal. So, I mean spoke a little bit on the autonomous piece and uh all i can think about you know imagine volumes imagine all of it 96 20 you know 12 wide and uh having to go down the road autonomously i mean you hit a low bridge or get into a width restriction i mean you're talking some pretty heavy technology to to avoid that so i, I think yeah. in our industry um they did a test it was with tesla and they hauled a 53-foot dry van with three-door latest chips, and I think the gross vehicle weight was like 45,000 maybe. Right. And uh, so that's great. But let's imagine hauling equipment here. I mean, you're pushing 90, 100, 120,000 pounds. On, light, on lighter stuff. Yeah. How's that going <laughs> to work with that, right? So, right. Yeah, yeah I think <clears throat> definitely the autonomous trucking side of it will be the the van stuff first you know until they get that figured out because just like you said i mean you're 12 wide on going down the road and you hit some program doesn't recognize oh boy this is an extraction so this is a nine foot restriction or whatever it is you know that let's get 16 wide like that 
Yep. We'll be, we'll be having cargo planes, but the cargo plane will be coming from the autonomous vehicle hitting our vehicle. Then who's to blame? Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah that's, that's probably, <laughs> you know, you look at probably a good point. Collision mitigation systems on some of these newer trucks. Yeah. You got guys running running uh, trucks down the road, and they're going down the interstate, and they come up on an overpass, and the system will lock the truck brakes up and, you know, throw you into a bad situation because it senses that overpass as a vehicle in front of you, and those sensors are kind of messed up and tripping out. And, I mean, we've actually seen drivers leave other companies because of that technology. I mean, you're going down the road at 68 mile an hour loaded, and that truck wants to lock up the brakes on you because the bridge is coming up. You know? so yeah that's uh so my wife's car has something similar to that where it'll slow you down <clears throat> get you know set the cruise control it'll slow you down if you go too fast and if you're going down the hill at a, at a right at an angle it'll start slowing you down because the, the sensors and you're just pointed down just enough to where the hill's coming up that it catches that and it starts to make you slowing you down like you're gonna hit something you know yeah. <laughs> i think the reason it doesn't lock it up is because it keeps progressing past that point you know so it's nice Love it. Yeah, Love the technology. Really good. Yeah, I'm kidding, right? Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about fuel costs and what that looks like and how that how that's going on. I mean, we've we've seen fuel come way down from what it was, you know, this time last year, obviously, it's way down from that point, but it's still not cheap either. So I guess as you're looking at, at fuel costs and those kind of things, what are you guys doing to help mitigate some of that cost when you guys are bidding stuff out? You know, I mean, it has it has definitely come down, and but at the same time, the freight has come down too. So you're kind of, you know, you're bidding a lot more competitively to you know mm-hmm. get the freight to keep our trucks rolling. Um, you know, I, mean, I personally don't look a lot at the fuel cost. You know, we kind of have a set rate of you know what we bid bid it as. You know, we we change it every week if it goes up or down. But um, you know, other than that, I mean, the prices in general have just come down as well. I mean. Fuel could be fuel could be at record highs again, but with the amount of freight that's out here, the the prices are still going to be fairly low. Right. You know, just to stay competitive against other people, if if uh, if somebody's shopping around, you know, you 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 want to be that low guy to get that freight to keep that truck rolling. Yeah. Right on. When you guys are looking at what's hot and what's not, you what what are you hauling a lot of right now, machinery machinery wise, and what are you not seeing as much of? seeing a lot of combine stuff because it's kind of, I mean, obviously harvest right. is kind of, we're in the middle of harvest and all that, but I guess as you're looking around, like what are you seeing a lot of right now? Yeah. I mean, the combines, uh, the combines kind of have their place, you know, in the mm-hmm. last month, you know, everybody updating or getting new, something newer or whatever. Um, harvest season, just in general, it slows down some, obviously the row crop tractors are still moving, you know, uh, forage harvesters, construction equipment, obviously that's a, that's an all year round process. There's no, there's never any slow time for construction equipment, you know? Right. Um, yep. But, uh, you know, I haven't seen like a lot of planters and tillage equipment, you know, a few people, reg- uh, random farmers all across the country buying, you know, chisel plows or whatever sure. they might in the fall. But, um, otherwise, I mean, yeah, combines, row crop tractors, you know, that, that always moves. Yep. So, where are you seeing a lot of construction stuff going to? Where are you, where are you guys taking a lot of that to? I mean, obviously Texas. I mean, they never right. stop down there. Yeah, they're um, constantly growing. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's it goes yeah, everywhere. Texas is a huge, huge yeah. uh, area that we all can be equipment to. So yeah, sometimes I think Texas is going to annex like 
Arkansas and Louisiana someday <laughs> and just make it part of Texas. <laughs> yeah. You know, and they, they passed this infrastructure bill too. I mean, yeah. we do all our own oversized overweight permitting in house. And that was a discussion last week that there's more road construction than ever. And, yeah. Uh, it makes, makes routing a little bit difficult, but on the flip side of that, you know, hopefully we're uh, hauling some equipment to those, those contractors and road projects and help them build that infrastructure up. So, yeah. Yeah. There's a, I can't believe how much road construction you see around here. Like, yeah. You know, typically you get projects that, you know, they last whatever, you know, a stretch of road or something like that. But some of these projects I've been watching people get into have, have been some pretty intensive, you know, we're going to tear the whole road all the way out down to the dirt and go back in and, and just new concrete, new asphalt, the whole deal all the way back across and, and yeah, like I eighty through Nebraska. It seems wow, like that's been yeah. our construction for the past three, four, five years. I think they call it I eighty because it's been under construction since the eighties. I think that's one. <laughs> <laughs> it's freaking every time I go down there between Scottsbluff and and uh, and uh, uh, like York, you know, kind of where I go south when I go back to Wichita. But it's uh, there's always you know you go you know, 50, 60 miles and you hit, you know, a big, a big construction project and you go 50, 60 miles and hit a big construction project. and <clears throat> They're everywhere. It's just crazy how much, how much construction is going on right now yeah, for sure. But it also shows you how much we needed to update our infrastructure too, because it was getting, getting a little, a little shady in places for sure. Well, now, so I mean, it should start slowing down before too long. Yeah. Right. You know, not that far away. We're middle of October already. Yeah. Where the rest of this year go? Yeah, no kidding, right? So now that we're talking a little bit about that, we're heading into winter. You guys had your first frost yet? Do you guys? We've had a couple mornings where there's been some frost on the ground and windshields and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. uh, I think it was last week. I think one morning I woke up. I think it got down to like 26. Yeah, yeah, exactly morning, like that. Some windshields this morning as well. We haven't yeah. really had a, a killing frost yet for the yeah. for the crops, and I mean that's. That's showing up here. There's some soybeans still in the, in the ground up here. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, Parker Farms, and I, I help a, my father-in-law and brother-in-law farm. And I mean, it's it's been an interesting year. I mean, lack of moisture and things like that. But uh, just uh, fun to see how this equipment operates in all different conditions, right? And how the adjustments you got to make. So, yep. How are crops up there? Um, I've, I've had fields do over 200 bushel, and I've talked to people that get 130. Yeah. So, That's I mean, kind of the story this year. Then, yeah, probably. And, I mean, everything's pointing to over 200 bushel an acre corn. And our beans went, uh, I think, 56, which, you know, is definitely down. But for the year that we've had, 56 is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've had uh, the reports that I've been getting on, you know, just doing this with the commodity guys is that you'll – Go talk to one guy and one side. I mean, we're talking just the road. This is the only difference between where they're at. I mean, one side is, like you said, 200 bushels, 200 plus, something like that, 250 plus, 220, something like that. And right across the road is, you know, it's 50% less, you know, 135, 140. And it's all about where they got the rain and how much rain they got and heat units and what, how much of it was drought stricken, those kind of things. So the variability in, in uh, the crop this year is going to be an interesting tell here towards the end when you start seeing how many actual bushels come out and then the quality of those bushels when they come out too, that's going to be the other side of it too. So it'll be interesting to watch how that plays out towards the end of the year for sure. And like alfalfa or round bale prices for hay is absolutely insane. I mean, 
people have been feeding hay to their beef cattle since the middle of August, which never happens. You know, usually don't start feeding hay and silage until end of October or November. Right. And uh, But the weird part is, for the weird of the growing season that we had without any rain, yeah. alfalfa crop was probably one of the best we ever had. For some reason, that grew. Yeah. Pastures didn't grow, but the alfalfa did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how that works. Definitely yeah. funny how that works. Um, when you are dealing with uh, some customers right now, what are kind of what are your lead times right now? Or do you have, do you have trucks about everywhere that are ready to go get stuff picked up? I mean, we're, we're, uh, you know, we're definitely caught up and I mean, I'll tell people two weeks to be on the safe side, but some days it might be that it might be the next day or the day after. Yeah. You know, sometimes it, it ends up being that we have somebody in the area that can grab it within three, four days or the, you know, within a week. Um, it's a, it's a great time to be, you know, trying to buy stuff if you need it quick. So cause, um, you know, there's available trucks all over the place. Yeah, for sure. For sure. When you're last thing here, as you're going down and you're looking through some things, as you look through, um, what you see kind of happening right now in the, in the trucking industry, uh, you know, it feels like most places like 23 is going to kind of finish out like it should, but looking out into 24, there's some, some big question marks that are kind of hanging out there. So I guess, you know, Carson, we'll start with you first. What do you, what are your thoughts on that? And, and what do you see happening out there? Um, you know, the, Biggest thing, I've been to a few conferences for the Minnesota Trucking Association and listening to the freight experts, right? And uh, trucking or transportation is usually the first sign of what the economy is doing. And I feel like we're, uh, I hate to even mention it, but I feel like we're in that post-COVID effect now. And now transportation's feeling it. We're seeing a slight uptick in freight, um, but we're not going to see that that rapid increase in freight, I don't think, in the next... uh, 12 months we're hoping we see it but right now it's kindly or finally starting to come back a little bit um but i think 2024 is going to be just a slow steady incline hopefully um we're we're just trying to to get through that and come out stronger on the other end of things and um keep all on equipment really so how about you guys right lots they they full of equipment and all stock back up Oh, I think we're filling back up with certain things. I mean, obviously combines are everyone's issue. You know, that's, that's, you hear that on about everyone you talk to, but I'm also in the camp that if you have more than two combines, you have a combine problem. So, I mean, you yeah. know, so I kind of, I kind of keep that going, but I, I look at, you know, you look at row crop tractors, you're starting to see more of those show up. You're starting to see more four wheel drives show up. You're starting to see more, you know, hay tools and stuff like that pop up that you hadn't seen in a while. Um, a lot of these short line guys that you work with, you're starting to see more of their product come to, come to the market. So I don't, I'm not in a big, um, I don't know how the best way to put this. I'm not, not really in a, in a big panic mode about what's happening with the economy. I think the, what we see happening in pricing, those kind of things has everything to do with if you had it on your lot, you know, two years ago, a year and a half ago, a year ago, um, you could sell it for whatever you wanted to, right? And, right. and the price of new the way it was and everything else just was the way it was. So they have this, this you know, the scarcity premium thing that's going on there. So we're going through a correction and all that stuff's kind of coming back down. It, it's really no different than, you know, when, when the stock market hits at all-time high and has huge runs up and then all of a sudden has a sharp fall. I mean, this is what we're seeing right now. And I think that's just going back to what this quote-unquote new normal feels like. Right. And I think that's, that's what we're seeing happening. I'm not... I'm not concerned that, you know, the, the price of commodities are going to affect, 
non-farm income. I, I do worry about interest rates. I think that's going to have some yeah. some uh, some play into that. But um, I also think that this is probably one of the better times in in history for the uh, the upgrade kit to kind of start showing its face, where you can start you know doing some bolt-on technology and those kind of things, just because of, of where we're at. You don't really have to buy the the newest of the new now to get the technology that you want. You can you can alter some of the stuff that you have and get pretty close to the same thing. Um, yeah, few little things. Talking about that. I think it was the closing, uh, uh, the closing uh, arguments or whatever at the end of the, <laughs> of the movie iron summit, people yeah. were talking about that. Like you already got your 12 row or 24 row corn planter toolbar. Like you can either go out and spend this much money or just upgrade this one to do about the same thing and maybe save yourself some. Right. Yep. And I think you're going to see more and more of that pop up especially over the next couple of years. I mean, holy crap, the amount of stuff that's come down the pike from all these manufacturers is quite impressive. Um, and what, and as far as the technological leaps that you're going to see, not even just year over year, but even like quarter over quarter. I mean, it's just amazing what you're going to see start coming in. So it'll be, it's going to be interesting to watch it. What are you seeing out there, Parker? You know, I mean, there's a big inventory. I mean, it's, it seems like, you know, you see a lot of stuff coming up on auction yeah, you know, a couple of years ago, people weren't you know bringing stuff to auction because I mean they were selling it. I mean, right. You didn't have to go to the auction yard with your stuff. Mm-hmm. Now you see some auctions. Uh, there's a stuff out in was it Indiana or Ohio dealerships having a sale every Tuesday, just like an inventory reduction auction. Yeah, you know, I mean, I don't know if that's going to start happening in more more locations just to kind of get rid of some of their stuff. But yeah, I don't know what kind of a what kind of a bath you take on the stuff taken to the auction compared to what you're asking for at you know retail. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. It just depends on where you're at and what you do with it when you got it. Um, so it'll be, auction, you know, the past few years has sold, you know, extremely. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, back in the day, auctions, you know, that was stuff, that was your last resort. You didn't want to take to the auctions because you didn't know if you, you thought, you know, people are, you know, in a bit of cheap. But with the online thing now, you know, mm-hmm. everybody, it brings what it's probably worth. Yeah. Yeah. And you're starting, you see that. And that's in that online. The online auction has it's kind of made the world a small a world a very small place when you look at the number of bidders now that can get, that can watch these auctions and buy stuff and the number of international buyers that come in and watch stuff sell and those kind of things is, is pretty impressive too. But it's a uh, it's I, I really believe you know it's over the last five years um, used equipment's become a commodity as much as you know a bushel of corn is you know it's the same kind of deal where an auction is what someone wanted to pay for it that day. And that's, that's exactly what it is. I mean, there's get a couple of people fighting over it and you'll, you know, you raise the price up, but if it's just a normal run of the mill deal, I mean, kind of is what it is. And that's, that's where you're at. Now there are some consistencies in those. You see some very, now you don't see one selling for, you know, eight or or a stagger or something like that out selling for, you know, a hundred thousand dollars one day and four hundred thousand the next, right? I mean, there there's a little bit of consistency in there. Um, when you watch those things, oddly enough, how consistent those guys are, those auction prices do sell is is quite impressive. But it's just one of those things where you just got it is what it is, and it's worth what it's worth. And you know, this is what the market says it's worth, and that's kind of what it is. And where the difference on the on the dealership side of that is that there's a lot more value that goes into that because there's, you know, you get someone, you know, if it falls on his face, you've got 
you shop there, take care of it, and you've got you know some financing options, and you got extended warranties, and all those different things that come into play. So there is some there is some value there too, and they'll take your trade. That's the other side of it too. That's another thing I've noticed. You know, like around me where I live, I mean, land never goes for sale, and then this this spring and this fall, stuff has started to come up for sale. Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> you know. Um, you know, obviously lands at all time highs are, you know, cashing out, but sure. Uh, I don't know if you see the same stuff around you. Well, we're seeing a lot of people retire and right. I think there are a lot of guys that are going to retire in, in 12, 13, 14, something like that. And then, you know, whatever happened, happened and they had to stick around a little bit longer and, and they got in on this deal when it started and got out when it, when it ended and they, and they're, they're going to pack it in. So, well, uh, I had, I just released a podcast here I did with uh, Chris uh, Bauman. Uh, he's the uh, founder of uh, Common Ground, which used to be called CashRent.com. And basically what they do is they have a listing site for, for rental, cash rent stuff, and, you know, some ground for selling those kind of things. But it's a uh, – we're seeing a lot of ground that, that guys bring up that are, you know, they're retiring, and you're seeing more guys that are either selling like you're saying or, or some guys are looking at it from a perspective of, hey, I'll uh, – uh, some passive income here and, and, you know, rent this ground. So you're seeing a lot more kind of changing of the guard, you know, where you didn't have someone come back to farm type deal. And, you know, you've got 1,500 acres or whatever it is, you know, they've got laying around out there that the, the neighbor's going to pick up that's got four or 5,000 acres they farm now, but they've got a son or daughter coming back into the operation and they need a little extra juice so everybody can have, have something to eat. Yeah. <laughs> For sure, <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, I think we're going to see more of that. I think that's definitely something we're going to see. That's yeah, significant more of the. Uh, I mean, you just look at the age of the average age of the American farmer. I think it's now like seventy almost. So it's uh, sooner or later they're going to retire. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our average age is forty-seven years old. Yeah. Someone on the young side in trucking, well, I mean, the good old boys just like farm starting to phase out. Train a lot more guys. And so. yep. Well, I, there was a truck that came. Can't remember what store it came to. Anyway, came to one of the stores and picked something up. And there was a guy in there that I could tell he looked old, right? I mean, he wasn't like a spring chicken by any means. But he, I got started talking to him, and he was like, he was uh, eighty nine years old, still driving Jeez. his truck. And I'm like, what? I always thought there was some kind of like cutoff there, like okay, you're too old to drive a truck, but I guess not. So I guess yeah. no, we've uh, we've thrown him time for the same two or three times. So <laughs> yeah, keeps keeps coming back. Yeah, that's that's the uh, yeah, that's that's the other thing too is just that, and then you got to replace all these guys with somebody else coming in, and that's where this labor thing is such a such a big deal. So yes. Sometimes. A lot more now than, than it used to be, you know. I mean, common sense is hard to come by anymore, too. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you just kind of take what you can get, and then hopefully, it, hopefully, it works out, and they end up doing a good job. Yeah, as long, as long as they're safe and they can tie stuff down, and they're safe going down the road. I mean, that that's the biggest thing. Right on. Yep, I think that's the uh, probably the most important thing right there. Where you just tying it down part, and that's probably the most important part of that getting it down the road. So. No. For sure. All right, fellas, it's probably a good place to stop. Carson, if folks want to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do that? 
Um, they can give me a call at our 800 number, 800-657-4910, or they can uh, shoot me an email at Carson at valleytransinc.com. Right first name's uh, K-A-R-S-E-N. So. Right on. Okay. Parker, everybody probably knows how to get a hold of you, but you might as well tell them one more time. Yep, 800-657-4910, or shoot me an email at pjohnson at valleytransinc.com. Right on. Well, guys, I appreciate you being on. I appreciate your your uh, your partnership here over the course of twenty three and twenty two, and and uh, look forward to uh, working with you guys again in twenty four. And Absolutely. we'll uh, see you back down in Nashville here for too long. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. You should do, do it quarterly <laughs> instead of yearly. I don't know if I can handle that. That's, no, the bounce back time is just not there like it used to be. You know what I mean? No. It is a fun time, though, that's for sure. Oh, good. I'm glad you guys like coming to us. So. Yeah. Guys, appreciate you being on. We'll catch you again next month. All right. Thanks a lot, Casey. We'll talk right. to you later. Thank yeah, you. take it easy, man. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. Go to LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast. Check out the YouTube channel, which is the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel, and go to movingironllc.com for everything Moving Iron related. We've got some big announcements coming up here over the next couple of months that you should uh, pay attention to. Also, got a new website coming out, too, so sooner than later, hopefully by the first of the year. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Parker and Carson. Smooth Iron folks, out. When you partner with Axon, you immediately gain access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. We carry all major brands and sizes of tires and wheels. We specialize in large diameter wheels for large equipment. We have one of the largest OEM replacement wheel inventories in North America. Known for extreme flotation setups, duals and triples, we have wheels for all makes and models of tractors, sprayers, combines, and grain carts. If we don't have the wheel in stock, we'll custom build, sandblast, and paint in-house. There isn't a more vast inventory in North America dedicated to helping dealers move more iron. With facilities on the West Coast and in the heart of the Midwest, leverage our 230,000 square feet of indoor inventory to solve any problem a grower may have. Move more iron with Axon. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. In the 21st century Hardworking people Working hard for you and me Moving higher Time and time again